Welcome to the J-Pod, where everyone has a story. I got brutally bashed up in year 11 by a girl and I think that really triggered me to get very depressed and anxious and alone and I'm pretty sure that triggered my psychotic symptoms. The J-Pod, brought to you by J-Man, 1-800-J-MAN. Inspiring people to live the life they choose. Hi, Coach here with the final episode of Season 1 of the J-Pod. Now, sorry it's been a little bit of a break since the last one, but I can guarantee it's going to be well worth the wait. Now, this week I speak to two of my favourite people in the world, Catherine Carmody and a great mate, Victor Tran. Both have schizophrenia. I recorded this late last year, just as the COVID restrictions were being lifted. Now, it seems like another world, doesn't it? And definitely another time. Let's have a listen in to our conversation with Cat. Well, I'm back at my favourite spot. It's a beautiful park in Canterbury. I love uh, bringing my participants here. And, and with me is Cat, short for Catherine. Welcome to the J-Pod, Cat. Thanks, Coach. Good to be here. Now, you and Victor, who I've spoken to, are, are good mates. You both live at the Haven, which is um, a place for around about 14 or 15 participants that um, have severe mental health issues. How much of a difference has that made to your life in, in, well, the reasonably short time you've been there? It's made a huge difference. I mean, living at the Havens, like having a golden ticket, I mean, the support that I get there is unbelievable. There's always someone there to talk to. If you're having a bad day, you just want to have a chat with someone, there's always someone there. Um, I've got a beautiful flat. It's well furnished. I've got friends there, the mates that I'll keep for the rest of my life. Being at the Haven has been some of the best years of my life. Can you tell us what it was like having your mental health issues before you joined the Haven? Was it difficult? It was because I was living in Parkdale in, in a house all by myself, which was really far away from my family and my friends. And I just felt really isolated and alone. And I felt like I couldn't really talk to anybody. Let, let's go back. I've jumped ahead a little bit to the Haven. Let's let's go back to when you first realised that you had issues. When I first realised I had schizophrenia, um, I researched the illness before I got the symptoms. So when I got the symptoms, I was like, oh, shit, you know? How did you know to research? Well, I was doing a project in psychology in year 11 and we had to pick a mental illness and I picked schizophrenia because I was really interested in it because my uncle had schizophrenia. Was there any particular moment in time that you realised you had schizophrenia or was it a slow build-up? It was a slow build-up of psychotic symptoms, I think. I think being paranoid was one of them and then slowly I deteriorated and then I started hearing voices and I thought something's gone wrong. Out of the blue just you started to hear voices? Um, yeah I did but I think there was other symptoms leading up to the voices that I was worried about. But was there something that triggered that? Yes um, I got brutally bashed up in year 11 by a girl and I think that really triggered me to get very depressed and anxious and alone and I'm pretty sure that triggered my psychotic symptoms. So at the time when you're brutally bashed, and this is terrible for me to even hear you say those things, was there anybody you told or, or, or anybody that, you know, you asked for help? I didn't ask for help because at the time my mum was pregnant and I didn't want to bother her and I didn't want her to be upset. So I didn't tell anybody and by the time I did tell somebody, all the evidence was gone, all the bruises were gone. All the evidence that ever happened was gone by the time I told somebody, so... So at what age did you realise you had schizophrenia? 16. Do you feel like you've been robbed of some of your teenage years? 
Definitely, I really do. I feel like I've missed out on a lot of parties, a lot of fun, because I feel like I just stayed at home while everyone else was out partying and stuff. How were you treated by by your friends? Were, were they surprised that this all, all of a sudden happened to you? They were surprised. I lost a lot of friends, I have to admit, in year 12, because I was in hospital in year 11 for 10 weeks, and they passed my me in year 11 just because I went so well in my half-yearly exams. Because I got all A's and B's in half yearly exams, so they passed me in year 11. And when I came back in year 12, everyone knew I'd been in the psychiatric hospital. And I felt really judged and I lost quite a lot of friends. So that was really difficult for me. Is that still difficult for you to talk about? It's not difficult to talk about. It's just a bitch that it happened. <laughs> Anybody that knows Kat, that's how she describes things. She's pretty honest and straightforward, especially when I'm driving in the car. She's one person that I can't tell what to do in the car. I'm usually the boss in the car, but with Kat, no, no, it's just not the way it goes. So you're this 16-year-old girl and all this is happening to you. How dark of thoughts did you get? Pretty dark, yeah. Can you elaborate or do you want to elaborate? Yeah, I was suicidal at one point, I have to admit. I got to the point where I felt so alone and I was so sick, I didn't know what to do. So. And, and in, in your, your parents, were, were they an influence in helping you sort of slowly, you know, come to the realisation that this could be the way you are for the rest of your life? Yeah, well, Dad had a brother with schizophrenia, so he kind of um, recognised the symptoms as well. And your dad has been a, a big influence for you? Yeah, my dad's my rock. I love my dad. He's always there for me, and no matter how weird my thoughts are, he never judges me, and he's been a lot there for me a lot. And you have a sister? Yeah, I have two sisters, an older sister, and um, uh, Tess was born um, three days before I went to hospital for my first time. So she's only known you with schizophrenia? Yeah, it's it's quite funny. When she was four, she used to say to mum and dad, oh, the fairies are talking to Catherine again. How would you, for someone someone who doesn't understand schizophrenia, how would you describe the illness? Um, that's a tough one. I mean, it's a multicoloured illness. If you think of emotion, it's multicoloured. It, one day you might feel happy, one day you might feel sad, one day you might feel angry, you know, like... You just have to remember that the thoughts aren't your thoughts, they're the illness's thoughts, and that's how you get through it. If you think that the illness's thoughts are your thoughts, you're going to not survive if you just think that the thoughts are your thoughts. You're going to think you're a bad person. You're going to think that you're horrible. You're going to think that you don't make any sense. You just have to believe that, believe in yourself and believe that you're better than that and believe that you have this illness. It's a horrible illness, but... Um, if I didn't have illness, I wouldn't be the person I am today and I wouldn't have met the wonderful people that I've met over the years. And I wouldn't be as empathetic, I think, as I am today. You're listening to The J-Pod with Coach and the inspiring Catherine Carmody. We'll hear more from Kat later on, but up next, Victor Tran makes an appearance and lets us into Victor's world. J-Man inspires and supports NDIS participants to live their best lives and promotes experiences for people with a disability. The NDIS can be confusing, so if you're thinking about applying for funding or not sure how your plan actually works, J-Man can help and guide you through every step of the process at no cost to you. jman.com.au That's J-A-E-M-A-N.com.au Now is the time to get the most out of your NDIS. Call us for a free consultation. 1-800-J-MAN 
This is the J-Pod, where everyone has a story. Now, this particular story of Victor Tran is, well, you'd have to say unusual to say the least, but I'm not going to try and tell it to you. I'll leave that up to him. Victor. Yes, Coach. Here we are in a park. We love this park. We're in um, we're in a suburb in Melbourne called Surrey Hills. It's the Surrey Hills Cricket Club, I think. And Victor, thanks for joining us, buddy, on the J-Pod. No worries, Coach. Anytime. Because you love your sports, don't you? You're one of these guys. You're, a big, you're going to be a big part of our, our, our J-Man Active program because you're involved. Well, tell us all the sports you love to play. Footy, basketball, cricket, whatever. What's your favourite? Footy and basketball. And who do you play for, Victor? Sandown Cowboys. How much is physical activity good for you, Victor? Can you tell us exactly what disability you have? I've got schizophrenia, depression, uh, psychosis. So how much is the physical activity good for you in that regard? Uh, I love my sport. So but what I'm trying to say, Victor, is that when, you know, when you're doing sport, it helps your mind? Yeah. It helps me not to think of the negative or the depressed side. How far back can you remember you having psychosis and schizophrenia? I, I started um, having depression in '87. Do you remember how it happened, though? Uh, just family issue. Do you want to go any more into that or not? It's just one of my mum passed away uh, from breast cancer, so that's how I started getting depression. And when did you first notice it? What did you notice? How did you feel? Oh, shit. Not that good. And who did you go to for help? My uncle. My uncle in Canberra. Because at that time... My dad couldn't cope with me because he, he thought that I was running amok. Running amok like you're, you're being a naughty boy? Yeah. So were you running amok? What were you doing? I was sent to Canberra and I had and I was studying at Mars College in Canberra with a few of my cousins. Did that help you, Victor? Yeah, it helped me. How hard has it been having to live with this disability? Disability is just a normal thing. People with disability, like myself, we don't show. Inside, we have disability, not the outside. But have you been treated differently? In what way, Joe? Well, you are of Asian descent. Have you copped? I know for a fact you've told me you've been, not because of your disability, but you have, have been uh, racially abused. Yeah, I have. I've been racially abused from primary school to high school. And your way of dealing with that? Aggression. In what way, Victor? What do you do? I just go after the person and say, what's your problem? Now, you've told me a few things in the past that you have gotten yourself into trouble at times with the law. Can you tell us some of those times? There's a bunch of friends I thought was trustworthy turned out to be worst enemy. And how did they betray you, Victor? Because they got me into the wrong shit, like drugs... Alcohol, stealing, uh, fighting. So you were uh, running in a, in a gang, is that right? I, I knew a f- few people from different gangs. Well, let's go back, Victor, to when you first came to Australia. You came as a very young person with your your mum, was it? Is that correct? Yeah, mum and auntie. How old were you when that happened? Four. And I'm a silly question, probably, but do you remember anything of that time? No. No. But you have told me a story about the actual 
I suppose you could call it an escape, because was that around the time when everybody was getting out of Vietnam after the end of the war? Uh, I came in 1975. You said your mother was shot at, is that right? Uh, no, it was me that almost got shot. So, oh, tell us about that. I mean, obviously you were too young to remember, but they, your parents told you about that. It's very scary. Um, in Vietnam, when my parents told me that I was sick, there's hardly any cure. My grandma was there 24-7, sleeping on a hospital floor. What's the story about you being nearly shot? It's, it's scary. Yeah, how did that come about, though? Can you elaborate? can't remember. I know you can't, mate, because you were four, but did, did your parents, remember you, you told me your parents, had, your mum had told you the story, how she was running and you almost got shot, is that right? Yeah. You miss your mum? Yeah. Yeah. I don't get along with my stepmom because I, f- I feel that she's controlling my dad and that's, that's why I left home. It's always difficult with step-parents, I know, because I've been one myself. But you do get on with your dad, though. You do see your dad. I'm, sl- I'm starting to get there. So what has been the issues with your dad? My stepmom. She's, she's, she's really bossy. Victor, you're very active in so many things. Um, and, it's, and this has been difficult, this lockdown, because of that. And we've tried to get you out and about. And we come to here to this particular over where we are now. Beautiful place in the world. We kick the footy and you've got your sign when you want to go. We, you know, we kick for about five or ten minutes and then Victor gives me the big point and off we go to the toilet and then we go for a drive and, and we do a whole bunch of different things and go for walks and stuff. And you've got another uh, support worker, Leo, who, who plays basketball with you. That's just starting again. But you're also not just active physically. Victor, you've written a book. Now, I'm lucky to read a book, Victor. And you've written a book. Tell us about that. Uh, it's uh, a memoir of the Valkyrie title, Inspiration to Jenny Head. Uh, it's about my, my life. Writing itself is my passion. Because with writing, it, it, it shows your emotion. It gives you the power and the passion. I like to share my story to the world. Hi, guys. A couple of young girls waving to us. Victor, he's a bit of a superstar, this Victor Tran. Victor, what, um, what's the book about? My memoir, my autobiography. Even though I don't know much about my childhood uh, in Vietnam, but from 87 onwards, I, I wrote the book of my timeline about my life. So, for example, in 87, I called that um, memory and went to Canberra. 88, I came back to Melbourne. 89, 90, Canberra. And then after 90, I come back to Melbourne again. It's something I, I enjoy writing. Uh, swim the deepest end of the river. It can be happiness or grief. That's my saying. What's the saying again? Swim the deepest end of the river. And you, do you write about your martial arts in the book? No, I, I didn't uh, include my martial arts. But um, I read about one strike. I'm hoping to go back there and get my black belt. What about your love of your footy teams? I mean, and your cricket teams. I know you, you're a big supporter of the Bombers, which is probably one of the reasons why you, know, you and I hit it off, because I'm an Essendon supporter as well. You love the Bombers, don't you? I love them, mate. 
Justin Brownfield must be one of my best players back in those days, apart from Maddie Lloyd. What about other teams I know you like? Uh, Melbourne Storm and Melbourne Renegades. And you love one particular player in the Melbourne Renegades? Yeah, Finchy. Aaron Finch. He's a top player. He's a Victorian. We love you, Finchy, a Victorian. I want to ask you a question, mate. What makes you happy? Hanging around with J-Man. Hanging around with J-Man, well, that would be me, is that what you're saying? You and Danny. What about love? You've been in love before, Victor? I have, but I split it up with Sarah. Is, is that difficult to talk about? Um, what, what, what would you like to know? Well, do you want to have a family? Do you want to get married? And Eventually, it's down the track, yeah. You've said to me that, you know, you, you might look for an Australian wife, but if not, you might... Yeah, you're going to go back over to Vietnam to look for a wife, is that right? Yeah, I'm currently writing a script about a future wife. What is it you look for in a future wife? Someone decent, someone educated, someone good-hearted, down to earth. Victor, for someone who's done it tough, where do you get this great love and passion for life? Because that's what you've got. Where's that come from? From the heart. Yes, Coach, it's from her. So no matter what's thrown in front of you, was it a conscious decision for you that you would fight through it? Or is it just natural for you to be that sort of person? In what way is it? Well, Victor, I know you're on medication, correct? Am I correct in saying that? Yeah, I'm on medication. How much medication can you tell us? Yeah, I've taken about five, six medication. Five or six pills a day? Yeah. Well, first of all, what do they do to you as in... How do they help you? And secondly, what are the things you don't like about the medication? Side effects is medication. It's a side effects. I don't know. Such as? Saliva. And do you get a little tired? Sometimes. So, Victor, if you didn't take this medication, what would happen? Hospital. Well, you'll become almost like a, a member of our J-Man family. And speaking of families, Vic, before we go, you live in a very special place. It's called The Haven, which is in um, South Yarra in Melbourne, just off Chapel Street, uh, an organisation that was started by Professor Alan Fells, yeah? His daughter's there. Tell us a bit about The Haven. It changes my life because w- without The Haven, I'll be on the street because I've been moving from places to places. Footscray, St Albans... Northcote, Preston. So I would be writing saying, and not too melodramatic, the Haven saved your life? Yeah, because my dad was pissed off at me before before moving to the Haven. But now you're moving ahead in leaps and bounds, and you're also, you, I'm told, well, you've told me, you're a bit of a, a bit of an actor? <laughs> I'm running a script at the moment, yeah. But you also have performed for a quite well-renowned director, is that right? Neil Cole. And, and what was that about? You worked in a play? It's called Into the Limelight. So what did you do? What was your role? Doctor and Mexican boss. That's a combination. <laughs> yeah, no. How much fun was that, Vic? Uh, awesome. And there was another one I had to act as a drag queen too. Were you a pretty drag queen? <laughs> I don't know, though. I can ask her about that. <laughs> Oh, I'd love to see you in a dress, Victor. Take that back. No, I wouldn't. Just before we go, Vic, what's your message to people who don't fully understand disability? Education about uh, disability is the key. That's how I found out. When I got disability, my dad wasn't there. He wasn't sure 
that has happened in 97. It's very difficult for people who haven't been around many people with, it, with a disability. They don't really understand. I have to admit, since I've been doing this job, it's not a job to me now, I have so much fun. We have a lot of fun doing this. Yeah. Victor, I might have helped you, but I'm going to say this now, and the world can hear this, you've helped me immeasurably, immensely, and everyone else that I've been with, to, to open my mind and my eyes to, to what goes on in your world and try and have some sort of understanding of what it's like to be in Victor Tran's brain. But, mate, thank you for being you. That's what I'm trying to say. So thanks for joining us on the, on the J-Pod. And if there's anything else you want to say, now's the time to say it. Mental illness is it's also can be mental skillness. Just think about that. Mental illness is mental skillness. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr Victor Tran. What a legend. After the break, Cat Comedy returns speaking about love. J-Man inspires and supports NDIS participants to live their best lives. We do tap dancing together, which is a lot of fun. She's just so understanding of mental illness and I feel like I can tell her anything and that she won't judge me. Now is the time to get J-Man active. Increase my self-esteem and self-worth and has just made me feel so much better about myself. jman.com.au That's j-a-e-m-a-n.com.au Coach here with Kat Carmody, one of our participants who lives at The Haven, a home for schizophrenics. Now, I've known Kat for quite a while now, so I, I did feel comfortable in asking this question. Has she ever been in love? Yes, I have. And still in love? No. How does that affect your mental health? Because a whole bunch of emotions go on anyway when you're in love with somebody, and then you've got your mental health issues to deal with on top of that. Was, was that difficult? It was more difficult being in love with someone with schizophrenia as well because you had your own shit and you had their shit as well. So you had to deal with not only the relationship but both of your illnesses. So it was pretty hard. <laughs> you two are on talking terms and you are mates? Yeah, we are mates. We're good mates. We watch movies all the time. We hang out. You know, we're really good friends. What, what are the things that make you happy? Um, friendship. Friendship is the most important thing for me and the love of my family and just getting out and about doing stuff, you know, not staying at home and mulling over doing shit, you know, mm. just getting out and about, getting busy, doing tap dancing, doing hip hop, playing my saxophone. Um, I think the busier you are, the more happy you are. If you're just alone with your thoughts all the time, you tend to get a bit sick, you know, mm. but I think it's really happy to have an active mind. If you have an active mind, you know, you're more active with getting well. What could you say to somebody, say a 16-year-old version of yourself, mm-hmm. who's listening to the J-Pod right now, what, what can you say, what sort of advice would you give them if they think that they have some issues and they're either too afraid to say something or they're saying, well, no, that's not me? What would you say to them? It's okay. It's okay to be sick. It's okay, you know. You're stronger than you think and you've got to use the people around you to help you. And don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't ever be afraid to ask for help because there's always somebody there. What's the kindest thing someone's ever done for you? Just the nurses in the hospital. They've done the nicest things for me. Just been there. What about something you think of that you wouldn't want to happen to someone else? Obviously being bashed up, but other than that. <laughs> 
Um, being on a poor medication, that's a bitch. When you're on the wrong medication, that can be really, really hard. In what way? Give us some examples. How, how's that affect you? Uh, like if you're on a med- wrong medication and you're still getting symptoms and you're really tired all the time, that sucks. Sometimes it takes a while for them to find medication that works right for you. And now I'm on the right medication. Like I don't get any symptoms whatsoever when I'm well. And I'm, I'm fine. Like I don't get any symptoms. I'm on the right medication for me. And the only time I get symptoms is when I'm unwell. And I get unwell about once a year. And then I have to go to hospital, you know, put a Band-Aid on it. Smack. I'm all better, you know. <laughs> what makes you unwell? Stress. Stress makes me unwell. Something will happen in my family or at home or something will just happen and I'll get stressed and have to go to hospital. How much medication are you on? And the second question to that is, do you feel like sometimes it rules your life? I'm on about nine different types of medication. No, it doesn't rule my life. It's just a a part of my life. Like, if you look at a pie graph, a slither of it is your mental illness. Just a tiny little slither. The rest of the pie graph is your whole life. You got to just think of yourself, mental illness, as a tiny little slither of that pie graph, because you are so much more than that. You're so much more than your mental illness. Do you feel like you really, really want to get the word out about that? Yes, I want everybody to know that you're not just oh, you've got schizophrenia and that's your label because you're so much more of a a person than just your mental illness. You know? Does that make sense? Makes perfect sense to me. It's probably a a good way to end the conversation. Uh, I want to chat with you some more. There's a few more things I want to discuss with you. But for now, I think that's enough. And um, one thing before I go... What's the favourite thing? What's the thing you love doing the most that you do as a person with mental illness that you probably mightn't do if you didn't have a mental illness? Now, does that make sense? It does. I think just hanging with people that I've met with mental illness that I would never have met if I didn't have a mental illness because they're great people. Great, cat. Fantastic. We'll get out, out of uh, out of the weather. It's starting to get cold. The, uh, the clouds are... Well, the sky's beginning to bruise. I love that saying. <laughs> it's not mine. I pinched it from somewhere else. And it could be raining very soon. So we'll leave uh, Surrey Hills on that note. Thanks so much for your time, mate. And let's go for a drive. Thanks, Coach. Catherine Carmody. And before that, Victor Tran, our two special guests on the J-Pod. That is our first series, season two, not too far away. But coming soon is a show called Coach and the Doctor, where we'll talk to people from all parts of the NDIS and share their stories and how it can work for those who are in need of support. But till then, remember, everyone has a story. Coach out. You've been listening to the J-Pod. Thanks to J-Man Active. Uh, the experience with J-Man and my work is, is we go out and about, enjoy some bite together and have a kick and have a laugh. Oh, it's increased my life then incredibly because it's increased my self-esteem and self-worth and has just made me feel so much better about myself and my illness if the body is active the mind will follow call 1-800-J-A-E-M-A-N